Hello and welcome to Super Excited with Stefan Roost. I'm Mike, the facilitator of this podcast. In this episode, Stefan talks with Mirko Schmidl. Mirko Schmidl is the founder of StakingRewards.com and was named the 2022 class of Forbes 30 under 30. Staking Rewards is a leading information hub for the crypto staking industry and its data is used by the likes of Coinbase and Bitcoin Swiss. In this episode, Stefan and Mirko discuss the genesis of StakingRewards.com, decision-making and gut-filling, Staking Rewards, and the goals of UBI. Enjoy this episode. Hey, everyone. I'm super excited to be back again, and this time with Mirko again, and who is the founder and CEO of StakingRewards. Dot com and they're a, an amazing site that actually allows you to identify very easily and quickly where and how to stake your the coins that you own and the coins you love to generate rewards in those coins that you love as well and so really excited to be here with Mirko you know super you know entrepreneur young I think you're the, the under Forbes, under 30 people to watch type thing, you know, so really uh, congratulations to that. Um, and, and you hustled your way into launching staking rewards and um, bringing that about. But you've also been a miner, I believe, earlier in your career as well, or still are maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, definitely. So I, I, I did a bit of mining. Um, yeah, uh, great. Great to be on the show. Thanks for inviting yeah. me, Stefan. It's, uh, it's great to be here and yeah. excited to like, yeah, talk through all these things. And um, yeah, I'm um, yeah, trying hard to make a dance with uh, staking rewards as much as we can. Um, just yeah. helping investors to like, yeah, get into staking and make it as easy as possible by like just providing information, data, and all of that stuff on our website um, and have an easy way for anyone to uh, find like which staking opportunities are there in the market and uh, how to utilize them to earn a passive income. Yeah, no, and, and we call this show super excited. Why? Because it's the most exciting, in my view at least, it's the most exciting time to be alive. There is so much change and turmoil going on that the opportunities that represent um, uh, people that are willing to go out on a limb um, are there for them to to take up these opportunities. And I think you're a good example of somebody that really has done something uh, in this space. But before I go in, actually, before I start and go too deep, I always ask a question more on the personal side. And I don't know if you get times to go and watch movies, but what was the latest movie that you watched? Uh, have you watched a movie lately? And, and what was that movie that you really liked? Um, that's a good question. I think um, I do watch movies regularly. I think one of the most ones that really stuck out to me, a uh, great movie, was Parasite. Um, oh, yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> Timely. You, you know that? It's a South, South Korean movie. Um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it really got me. Um, I actually watched it in the cinema. Um, so that was amazing. Um, yeah. I, can, I can highly recommend that. Yeah, I just started watching a show called C. I don't know if you've seen it. It's about people, the whole society on the planet that have gone blind. Um, right. And they've learned to live with all their other senses except with sight. That's pretty amazing. Really good show. I've, I've really been enjoying that one. So um, that's incredible. If you get a chance. Yeah. yeah. 
But um, yeah, no, so, so just on that, right? I mean, I think one of the things that everybody's talking about right now or have been talking about was this merge, the merge that took place or the migration of proof of work to proof of stake. You've been in this space for quite a while and you know, proof of stake has been really beneficial as a model and an underlying foundation for staking rewards, right? How do I find the right coins, the right validators? What are the rewards across the validators? What are the commissions across the validators? All of those are really difficult to navigate. And I think you provide a great uh, platform to do that. What brought you into this business? And what, how did this come about? How did you get the idea? What's the genesis for this? Yeah, that's a good question. So basically, I was uh, pretty fascinated by the whole industry since like 2013 already um, yeah. and been so getting into early. Bitcoin and then into other like alternative cryptocurrencies as well, like whatever there was like Litecoin. And then there were like some proof of stake coins as well, like yeah. Peercoin, uh, NXT and um, <laughs> yeah, a, a few other like of the OG staking coins, basically. Um, so got involved there, um, just trying it out a little bit. Um, but yeah, basically later down the road, I was like, yeah, I, I was trying to get more active in the yeah whole Bitcoin space, and then uh, started like mining as well, and uh, started like some some OTC trading and so on. Um, and yeah, with with all the mining, like what I felt, it was extremely hard to be competitive in the market. Um, and I was talking to my partner who like financed the uh, mining farm that that I set up. Um, and we basically made a calculation and figured that like we have to invest like at least a million dollars plus um, to become like profitable with the operation. Um, and I felt like that's crazy. I mean, Bitcoin is supposed to be open and like everyone should be able to participate. And um, like considering that you have to invest so much money just to be be part of the consensus and like validating blocks and so on just uh, was was crazy to me. And uh, it just led me to like more like look into proof of stake as well, because in proof of stake, the, the fascinating thing is like everyone can participate. So if you have a few coins, you can stake and you can contribute to the security of the network. And that's amazing. That's, that's beautiful. Um, and this just really stuck to me. Um, and then I was researching a lot of those tokens and um, there was just no... Uh, resource in the internet where you can find okay which proof of stake tokens are there what is stakeable what are the rewards that you can get and um, what are the risks there and so on and there was no information out there um, so I basically did all the research there and then just hit hit up my brother and ask him if um, he's keen to like um, yeah build a website for that with me um, and that's how we got started with staking rewards basically interesting and 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 so. When you did that, you know, I mean, the proof of work element, I mean, the mining Bitcoin mine was, it, it's just, you can have great months or weeks or days, and then you can have really shitty days, right? Where you've got huge costs of keeping your rigs going um, and no rewards come your way. And then ultimately you lose a lot of money. But when the rewards do come your way, you then have significant benefits associated with that. The advantage is every rig is each equal, right? In a proof of work, right? Every sort of mining rig that you set up um, is is equal and has the equal chance of winning uh, the reward. And in a proof of stake, yeah. though, the more you stake, 
the more influence you have in a staking environment, no? So how do you feel from an from a egalitarian perspective? How do you think that's, I mean, you already alluded to it a bit earlier, but where do you, how do you think that's going to, you know, will the richer who stake more have more influence versus the miners in the proof of work that have more mining rigs be more, uh, have more influence? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great point. I mean, I actually see it um, in proof of work. Um, it's the same way. It's like you, you build up your mining rig. That's like yeah. you, you buy some stake in the network. And the more mining rigs you buy, the more stake you have in the network. Um, and that's something like everyone can, can go and buy mining rigs. But there yeah. are, unfortunately, like um, extreme economies of scale in mining so it's usually like the people who have um like the, the biggest mining power already yeah. um also have access to like the cheapest electricity they have access to like the best hardware um and for someone who doesn't have access to like the cheapest electricity and the the most like the the best innovations in terms of the asics and hardware and so on um they are they are left out and um this is just like it's at the same time, it's, it's also um, like the rich get richer kind of yeah. in the sense yeah. that like, yeah, once you have access there to like very good hardware, um, then you can keep this technology for you um, and continue to build on top of that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously in proof of work, you have like it's an, it's an outsize, like outside of the uh, network resource that's contributing to the security. So that's a little bit different. Um, yeah. But at the same time, I'm, yeah, I'm actually quite happy that there is proof of work. I think it's a great innovation. Um, yeah. I'm not like against it. And I, I think proof of work is amazing. Um, it's just not made for like, uh, basically like a, a network of blockchains. Um, proof of work is made for one chain. And I think this is Bitcoin um, and it's great. And I, I think Bitcoin should stay with proof of work um, yeah. probably forever. Um, because that's that's just just an amazing innovation. Um, but yeah. it's also like mining power is in some sense fungible because once yeah. you have access to to hardware, to electricity, and so on, um, it is easy to like um, kind of shift the mining power to some other network. Um, and then always like I, I think proof of work is like a uh, the winner takes it all market, and yeah. Bitcoin is this winner, and there can't be another proof of work chain. Um, that's why I think for like, if we believe in like a, a, a multi-chain world, um, then proof of stake is the only option to go with. Yeah. And I think the, the, the options and the, um, diversity and the participation that proof of stake offers is also very interesting, right? Anybody with any token that you know, can stake their tokens and earn rewards on their tokens for securing that specific network, right? And, and to me, that's really exciting, right? To me, in a way, it's, it's the future of, of a savings account. I mean, you know, so your money is actually not only just sitting in a bank in somebody else's custody, it's sitting on the network and you are a participant in that network or that branch network of one bank and that bank is hosted by multiple different parties to secure and ensure that the safe stays safe <laughs> in a way, right? So it's like, uh, 
But I think one thing that, that you know, you, you launched this business, you got into it in 2013, so really early. Uh, you launched it with your brother. And I think one of the things, and, and I think you mentioned it in a podcast once, I noticed where you talk about sort of gut feeling, right? So you as an entrepreneur, as a startup, you know, you, you have hundreds of decisions you make every single day and you make the decisions based on the information that you have. And a lot of it, though, depends on how what's your stomach telling you, right? Or what's your heart telling you or your mind with your heart, with your stomach to come up with gut? How, how, how you know, how do you sort of take that on the one hand and then the data driven decisions on the other hand and uh you know right. you're in a yeah, data business <laughs> yeah definitely i think like the, the thing is just like there's so like especially for us humans right there's so much information to process yeah. um and i think we are just like pros or like we are just actively processing like a, a very very tiny bit of all the information that we like see hear, feel, whatever yeah um and the, the thing is, but all the information is still there um, and we just don't have the mental capacity to process, actively process all of that. So most of it is, is just like process like subconsciously and this like subconsciously process information. Um, this is what funnels or like compensates into the, the gut feeling, I think, um, which is like, so basically the a decision based on the gut feeling is actually based on like, way way more data um that we can actively comprehend i think so it's supposed to be a better decision because it just takes more data points into into account and then yeah. the active decision is mostly just based on like a few considerations kind of um but it doesn't take into account like the big picture kind of um which is like yeah all the experiences that we make all the like all of this is is being yeah. processed for like a it, or like funneled into a gut feeling. Um, so I, I do think that decisions based on the gut feeling are mostly right. Um, yeah. Obviously, there are like some, some logical, like, um, yeah. Um, Justifications other to considerations to make always. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But no, it, yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, yeah, when I think about the, the whole blockchain space, it's also like it's, and the whole world right now is so information overload. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you can't, you don't even know which, which information to take. And this is basically like the, um, yeah, it's, it's a huge pollution um, of like in, information and data. Um, and then being able to like, yeah, trim that down into like one single feeling or like having the ability to like um, having so many data points and just, um, yeah, getting a gut feeling out of that, I think, is quite fascinating, actually. And it is right most of the time, I feel. Um, like, once you start thinking about something too much, then, um, yeah, you, you over start overthinking. And um, <laughs> it is like th there's this thing in the brain, like, once you uh, think about doing something and you don't do it within the first three seconds, um, then you're not going to do it at all. So okay, the only way to do it, like if you have an idea, um, you have to do it in the first three seconds um, without it's... thinking about it because then then you're going to do it and you're just going to do it. And that's great. Um, so it's a it's a good exercise for for someone to just to, to do at home. If you have any any idea or something, uh, do it in the first three seconds um, and don't think about it. Um, so and I, I think that's um, how we move forward a lot um, without overthinking stuff too much and just going for it. Um, 
yeah, I mean, most of the time, nothing can go wrong anyway. Yeah, I like that. I like that three second rule because that's so true, right? Some of the the the, the biggest emails you wrote, some of the biggest contacts you made, some of it was just based on a, I got to do it now, right? And you just do it, and then wow, it happens, right? Some sort of, and and, and yeah, if you don't do it, then you're never going to do it, right? Um, they also say when you sleep. Immediately have a notepad next to you, right? And then you can write down your dreams because that's otherwise you forget the other idea that you had or something. Um, interesting. True. But, yeah. yeah. But one thing I find interesting, you know, it's like the gut, in, and, and you said it, right? With information overload, and especially in crypto, right? It moves so fast. It has so many different angles. It's so broad from NFTs to DeFi to staking to blockchains to, you know, to, to which bridges to um, inter, mess, inter protocol messaging, whatever you want to call it. But there's so much going on across multiple different chains that to keep an overview of what's going on and combine that with the macro situation of what's going on. How do you digest information, right? Because, I mean, I, I wake up at 5.30 in the morning. I, I immediately put on a podcast and I don't listen to music anymore. All I listen to is podcasts in the background, trying to keep up to speed what's going on, reading news and then Twitter feeds. You go through your Twitter feeds and that then shapes a lot of your thought process that in your gut, when you have to make a decision, it's like you heard all these different inputs that then subliminally helps you drive a decision based in your gut. How do you process information? Um, do you watch movies at, at 1.5 speed or you know, listen to podcasts at two times speed? Or I don't know. It's like, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually like, I'm a very slow reader. Um, okay. Like, like when I read a book, I usually like take a very long time. Um, if I finish books at all, like I, yeah, often I, I don't finish books because it's like, I'm, I'm just stuck with like a few pages or like, I yeah. don't know. I feel like my brain takes time to process even like sometimes you get like, and, and imagine this, like a book, like you often have like 500 pages or something. Yeah. It's, it's impossible when you read all of this to like process, like you, you can't, it's just going to go yeah. in and then immediately out again. Um, that's why actually like, I, yeah, I take a very slow approach when consuming books at least. Um, that helps me. I also have a lot of books that, I, yeah, just read into and then, yeah, just try to get something out of it and try to process it, try to apply it first because I continue reading or something. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit different for podcasts. For podcasts, I really, yeah, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it's, it's, uh, enjoyable just like listening to podcasts when like driving in the car or like walking outside and like, yeah, when, when you have, um, yeah, you can, you can do it on the site and it's yeah. mostly like a bit more free flowing, um, yeah. but you still get like things out of it. So yeah, I, I actually do enjoy like very, very long podcasts, um, like the, the likes of like Lex Friedman and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. um, I do listen to them, um, even from like start to finish. So I, I find it pretty, um, pretty interesting. Um, and apart from that, yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, reading, reading Twitter, but it's also, yeah, there, there's a lot of noise. Like I, I don't really watch any news or something or like I don't have any newspaper or something. It's yeah. mostly Twitter. And then just hearing from like colleagues or friends and um, about news. So um, that's mostly how I process information. It's like, it's very hard. Like there's so much out there and yeah. I don't feel it's like very effective to 
yeah start opening up a news newspaper or like some online magazine there's like so much noise it's insane um and yeah yeah no i mean i i I couldn't agree more to be honest i mean i i think I, i share very similar to you where i would take me weeks to read books or months you know it's like 500 pages seven, and I'd read it word by word right so I'd, I'd, and oh man that is such an important chapter let me understand that and then you try and think through that chapter and right and it's just like and then you go and read on but I would remember the books and then I realized there's a whole category of people out there that read books for entertainment and it's the style uh. of writing that it's like the flow it's the you know it's um it, it's does it make sense does it flow content well i don't know just and to me it was like oh my god it's like how do you do that and they read a book in a day <laughs> yeah that's insane for me too yeah. <laughs> it's like and so i was yeah. so jealous of people that could yeah. read so fast and so then I, i i found an amazing app right i found the audiobooks right so it's like and then i could listen to books where I lost the, when I listen to a book, I, I li I'm listening, right? You can't, if you're wandering and looking at the trees and you're having a walk, you're worrying about the dog, you're not listening anymore. And then you forget the words. So when you're a real reader and you want to read every single word, it's super hard to do that transition. But once you did it, I, I did it. It was like really, oh, there was, you, you get certain parts of the book, but not all of the book, but at least you've read the book. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's also like the uh, reading is two times faster than listening, I believe. Um, or like, yeah, usually yeah. when you read, it's it's two times faster. So you, you can get more information, but it's also, yeah, I don't even know if you can process it two times faster as well. Um, that's that's where I have like very big doubts with everyone who's reading books very fast as well. Like, yeah, is, is it really being processed, the information? Um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, I, I just, I'm, I'm fascinated how we have so much information. And like you, I don't watch TV. I don't have a newspaper. The only source of media is really, you know, the internet or Twitter and stuff like that. So I think that's, um, and then you have to do your own research in terms of finding out who are credible sources that you think are having a critical view on things and representing a, you know, a, a neutral perspective on something versus just clickbait or fake news or, you know, just, and, and, and that, I think, takes time to filter through that and understand what that means. Yeah, definitely. There's yeah. this uh, one app, I don't know if you know, Blinkist, where you get, um, like, the, the summary of books oh, um, yeah. in, like, 15 minutes or something. Yeah. It's, it's pretty good. And... Yeah, I haven't tried Blinkist, but but I've heard of it. I've I've seen their ads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty good actually. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll take I, a look yeah, at that. I I had an audiobook recently, and then in the end of the book, like I felt like okay, um, I just gotta listen to the Blink again. <laughs> um, so I, I listened to the book and listened to the uh, to the Blink just like the summary again as well. Um, and it really helps to like, just even summarize books. Um, yeah. yeah, I find it, find it quite helpful. You know, I think you, you have a bit of a reputation in the market to have been very much self-taught, right? A self you've learned your, you've taken education as, as, as something, 
um, on your own shoulders. You you wanted to learn it on your own. Um, and and how do you feel? You know, in in the world today where we're all talking about education and in the U.S. especially, education costs a shed load of money. Um, um, to send to go to university in Europe, it's a slightly different scenario. But I suppose um, and so, but how do you feel with traditional schooling and training and 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 the models, and then sort of how you can possibly learn to learn yourself, right? And and sort of what's your view on on, on that versus traditional schooling? Yeah, um, I think most of the stuff is more effective taught, like just by like YouTube videos, basically. Um, I, I think you, you can get most of the information. It's free on the internet. You need to be yep. able to like navigate the internet because there's so much noise and we just talked about this. Yep. So it is so important to like have a, yeah, a unique way of like, yeah, how to create your own information bubble because it's automatically shaping up this bubble and the algorithms are like, um, YouTube algorithm, Twitter algorithm, and you are, you are so like, yeah, influenced by that so i think it's very important to like use this like as a tool kind of um to like push yourself in a way um so yeah it's 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 getting more important to understand how to use the tools i think that is probably something that should be taught in school like yep. how to use the current algorithms and yep. like technology and everything to your to your own like yeah learning advantage respect. like this is something what you should learn in school and the other thing that you should learn in school as well is like um obviously the kind of anything that fits into the system like if you if you want to work in finance or you want to work in in law or something like this like you need to know like the laws you need to know like the the accounting practices you need to know like this and that so this is something i think it's um, there it's very, very helpful to have schools who teach that um, in a standardized approach because it just helps with like um, human coordination at large kind of um, that we all use the same standards, that we all speak the same language. And um, this is kind of important. But for all the other things, like especially business, I would say, and like all the like innovation and everything that's new and technology. So um, you can learn all of that online. And you can learn it for free as well. Um, yeah. I don't think you even need to. Obviously, there's, there's, it's probably helpful to have like even courses and stuff that are a yeah. bit more structured. But if you find a good way to like navigate the algorithms of the world, then you can get all of that uh, for free and even better, I think. Yeah, I think that, I mean, the three things in that case, right? I mean, so the education, the traditional education system hasn't kept up with the times and, and sort of ed, evolved the education curriculum to meet the real world requirements that you have in terms of how to use these tools, find the algorithms, how to select where to do your research, how to be critical in selecting the tools that you use that are going to help you educate yourself and move yourself forward um, uh, in, you know, um, in, in a digital world. Um, I, I also think what you're saying is life is an ongoing learning, right? We can't just stop when we finish at school. We constantly need to read other sources. We need to be 
up to speed in innovation and the speed of innovation and the speed of change. We constantly need to be educating ourselves. So we can't just sit, oh, we went to school and, and now it's cool. I've got this diploma or this certificate and I'm cool. I need to do that, right? Um, yeah, and the, that's yeah. such a great point. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a bit silly to like separate our our life into like, yeah, you have um, a few years you go to school and learn and then a few years you apply that. That doesn't make sense. Like the, the world is moving so fast. And I think in crypto, we know that very well, like um, yeah. things that we held for true, like uh, yesterday are not going to be like, yeah, um, yeah, not relevant today anymore. And it's moving so fast. It's it's insane. Um, we, we can't even keep up with it. So um, we also have to adapt. And um, I think... Yeah, what we learned in school yesterday, um, how is that still going to be relevant in 10 years, considering exactly. like the technological, yeah. technological, yeah, innovation, acceleration, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and on that note, right, I mean, just, just on, once we come out of education, right, there's this whole element of, you know, and I talked about it really early on, and I think you do too, right? When when people are referring to universal basic income, right? I mean, that means sort of I just sit back, do nothing, and I earn earn money, right? And it's um, and you know who pays for that? Number one, number two is where I feel you know sort of DeFi and the passive in income that has been generated, excuse me, in DeFi or in staking is a form of rewards for putting your money to work, right? And I don't think we get any of that credit. If you leave it in a bank account, the bank gives out a loan associated with it to someone else because we've given them that deposit and they only need to hold 20% in deposit or however much based on the certain requirements. However, in crypto, we all of a sudden, we put that money to work directly and get the rewards directly, which can act as a universal basic income in a way. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, you're in the staking business. You're providing a visibility into um, providing that tool where people can educate themselves on how to on how to earn rewards, right? Right. Yeah. I think um, I do see all of that as as passive income. I I just don't think there is like a real passive income, and I think that that's very important to differentiate, like every okay. passive income in the world is like, it's to some extent active. Um, and like, it's, it's impossible to just like think you, you do nothing and you get money for that. Um, that doesn't make sense. Right. Um, yeah. so like, I, like, I think passive income is, is never entirely passive. It's like, to some extent, it's always a little bit active. Um, and there's something you have to do, do for it or like, at least you have to expose it to some risk. So um, I think that's that's where you get uh, passive income from. It's like, yeah, um, putting your, your capital to work by, yeah, uh, exposing it to some form of risk or like yeah. being in some form active with it. And like the, the mix or like the, the clue there is to find like the the least risky way and yeah. the, the most passive way um, to like find the the passive income opportunity and then you can yeah probably really call it like a, a passive income um but and and you can you can also you, you can always ramp it up you can you can expose it to a little bit more risk uh you can be a little bit more active and like this is the way how you can how you can tweak like your own passive income and this is where 
we try to just like educate users on like, okay, what is the risk? What is the active part? What do you have to do for it? Um, how, like to which extent is the capital at risk? And um, just like figuring out like the individual like comfort zone for someone, like how much risk are they willing to take and how active can or want to uh, want they to get. Um, and then um, finding like good passive income opportunity based on that. Um, but yeah, it's obviously also in, in crypto is like there, there's a lot of like inherent risks. So um, just with staking, especially like if you earn rewards with staking, um, you're always exposed to the underlying currencies. So it's not just like the, the staking risk, of course, but it's also like always the, um, yeah, the, the collateral risk basically. And you have that to some extent with like even the US dollar and the euro, like we've just seen the, the euro basically like, um, yeah, dropping like, <laughs> like crazy. <laughs> and um, so there's some risk as well. Uh, it's not yeah. like just because um, it's, a, it's a stable currency or like fiat money, um, there is no, no inherent risk. So it is as well, probably with the US dollar, obviously way, way less than with uh, um, whatever, Ethereum tokens or Atom tokens or whatever. Um, but it is still there and that's just very important to understand. Yeah. What's the, what's the risk of the underlying, what's the risk of staking and, um, how active do you have to get and yeah, having all of these, um, factors coming together. Um, that's what we just want to, yeah, educate users on, on our website, um, to make a good conscious decision and, um, yeah, start earning passive income in a, in a smart way that's suitable for like the, the individual yeah, risk reward profile, basically. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I like your wording. It's not necessarily passive income, right? Because passive means it's doing nothing and it's just sitting there. Whereas actually every income you earn is some sort of, has some sort of activity associated with it, right? If you're, wherever you put it, it's being put to work for some purpose and that's how you're earning income, right? Um, I think that's super important. I think what you're trying to do with staking rewards in a way is edu provide the educational tools or make it available to everybody to understand, hey, you can earn X reward on the coin that you hold versus keeping it in your wallet or keeping it on an exchange or giving it to a custodian that might be doing that on your behalf without you maybe even knowing or something like that, right? So it's creating that awareness. Um, I was just on yeah, with I a... Yeah. yeah. I was just on with a media, with a journalist the other day and, and she just bought her first crypto and was wondering, what do I do with it outside of Bitcoin, right? Into... And what can I do with it? And it's like, well, you can earn rewards on that. Check it out. And I linked them to that, your site. And she was blown away. Oh, look at this. Oh, my God. You know, so it's like super. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's, it's a great tool to understand and learn how, how you can earn rewards on this. That's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 still a fascinating concept, right? That you yeah, yeah earn rewards on, on your tokens, especially in a world where interest... Um, yeah, interest savings account on the banks are like 0.5% 0. 0. Or, or less, or like you or even less. pay for it. Um, yeah, in Switzerland, to, you have to, to pay it. for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, 
the whole concept, I, I think it's uh, it's due for a revolution. Um, yeah. And I do think cryptocurrencies will, will play a huge role there um, where like really we can finally design money. Um, we have a huge design space um, for yeah. monetary policy and like for, for yeah, for, for our currencies. Um, and we can make the money work for us as a, as a human, as, as humanity. Um, so, so that the money yeah, actually generates a passive income for, for all of us and, and works alongside us. And it's not like robbed from, uh, from, from us with like, uh, basically inflation by like money printing from central banks, which is like, a um, some some sort of like uh coordinated theft on everyone who is yep. holding like their their money and holding like their um dilution yeah their 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 contribution to the world like you you work you go to your job and you you create some value and you get money for that and then it is robbed from you by just like other people diluting it and, and that's insane so um i do think there's a huge opportunity um with cryptocurrencies to to really yeah have a way um that the money can 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 work together with us um to to make us all richer um in a sense and not just monetarily but also yeah from a from a general sense like um yeah yeah there's a there's i mean if you there's a view that given what has happened with blockchain and the fact that we can now have secure, you know, um, financial computation available to everybody. We have products, uh, you know, NFTs and, and DeFi that have evolved and bring down the cost of participating in financial services that every single business will become a financial services business. Right. And, and so as that is, Treasury management is going to become such a critical part of every single business out there. Uh, you know, and, 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 and is that your view? And, and, and how do you feel? I mean, obviously, staking rewards is a tool for treasury management, ideally, right? As a portion of the overall allocation of your treasury. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is like... We, we all have like our treasuries, like individuals, institutions, everyone has yeah. a treasury and everyone yeah. need to manage that. Everyone need to do something with it. Um, yeah. That's, that's why we created money in order to store value and um, yeah, to, to use that as a means to like, yeah, pay, pay each other um, for, for goods and services. So um, it is like in the interest of everyone to like take good care of like the, the, value that is stored in some form or another and make sure that the value stored is not like being diluted or not like depleting over time but it's yeah. actually like um growing a little bit or like at least remaining stable in the value that it um inherits so um staking will, will play a huge role in that i think for for everyone um like if we imagine like um yeah, crypto will, will play a larger larger role in the global yeah uh, in the global economy and in the yeah. financial world and everywhere. Then um, staking will be just at the at the center of it. I think for like for for every bank, for every institution, for every business, for for yeah. every person. And yeah. um, this is just um, yeah, just just a great way. Um, 
as we have a, a way to like, yeah, contribute to like um, the the maintenance of this whole like global financial economy um, by like, yeah, providing security collateral for it and then earning rewards on it. Um, how that's going to look like in 10 years, like we, we don't know, like proof of stake is probably going to emerge and evolve yeah. over time. Um, but the concept itself is is fascinating, and I think it's it's going to be there in one form or another um, going forward because it just uh, makes so much sense that we use all the um, all the monetary value that is there um, to like uh, yeah se secure the network that everyone is operating upon by itself, and we don't need a central entity to. Um, to provide this guarantee or to provide this trust, because we do have like so much monetary value in the system um, that the system can govern itself and everyone yeah. can um, benefit from that um, without one central entity basically like taking taking a cut out of that or like um, diluting the others. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, that's why we launched truflation.com, right? I mean, we, we just felt we need to show how much we're actually diluting and show that actually your dollar value, whilst the dollar number stays the same, the actual purchasing power associated with declines, right? So that, that how do we make that more visible? But on that note, I mean, I think, you know, one thing that I'm sort of, you know, and I think with you being early on in crypto as well, we've always been trying to sort of find new means of helping us govern and have centralized, trusted, uh, trustworthy sources of governance associated with money. And that meant also a bit separating state and money um, from this, you know, and, and, and money came about to facilitate trade an exchange of goods and services for a value. And we standardize that value with a currency. And I think it's now become so hard to do global trade with anybody in because of the incumbences that have put, been put on the frameworks that we have today. And they're no safer than the crypto world. I mean, look what's happening. You know, every time, every sort of eight years, we go through another big phenomenal crisis and the crisis is always the same it's always control you know cds you know or uh, collateralized you know debt swaps or whatever they call them nowadays you know it's like all these funky instruments that they've been creating in the same sort of form and how regulated is that market how is that how do we come with a framework that allows us to protect the retail market and the consumers yet at the same time allow for innovation to thrive and, and fix the market quickly, not create big bubbles and then burst into a ginormous you know, atom bomb, but actually just have little firecrackers going off if, if, and, and then optimizing it based on that learning, which I think crypto does really well. Yeah, 100%. And we, we see it again and again, like the, the centralized lenders um, who all got bankrupt recently. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, like the DeFi protocols, they worked flawlessly. Like there was no yep. issue. Um, they all like whoever like supposed to get liquidated got liquidated, and yep. um, who not didn't. And uh, uh, in in TradFi, it's just like it's not transparent. It's it's really not secure as well. Um, and we just saw that like yesterday, basically with Credit Suisse like having like hugely over leveraged or something. I, I don't know exactly what happened there, but. 
it's definitely like a, that's an issue of the TradFi world because there's like it's it's intransparent and it's inefficient and um, this just doesn't happen in DeFi and, and it's fascinating that we have this this yeah like one real example where like the decentralized entities basically blew up and the yeah. decentralized didn't because they just rely on code and yeah. they don't rely on yeah kind of sentiment yeah, and in-person relationships which which yeah. can uh get corrupted and like there, there's so many nuances to it which you just don't have when you just have a smart contract that says yeah a b one two so everything is like very straightforward um and there's no second thought on it yeah and i think that's that's to my uh, you know the other issue right you have the peoples that are defining these roadmaps and the people that are executing on those roadmaps or living to those regulatory frameworks that have all gone to school together. They've been around and they've been buddy buddy working side by side for the last 50 years, uh, you know, and in all in different positions within the same sort of ecosystem of companies or departments within governments. Um, and so ultimately the decisions are made as a club. Um, of all the same people that have been own, a member of this club for the last 50 to 70 years, right? Depending, you know, where they are, which is not right. But I think one thing that I've always been excited about is I look at certain cities around the world and certain states, you know, in Europe, let's say you look at Portugal, you look at Ireland, um, you look at Estonia that have really tried to facilitate um, a tax-friendly environment where people can consume the services that are available in those markets that um, foster innovation, invite it. I look in the U.S., you look at Texas and Miami, and those cities are booming. You know, I know you have decided to move to Portugal. Well, what were the sort of reasons behind you moving to Portugal and setting up there? Um, I mean, the, the regulation is uh, like... Crypto regulation is um, still not worked out entirely here yet, so there's there's no taxes on crypto, which is uh, which is great, um, and that's why a lot of people of the industry are moving here. And um, Portugal, is, I I think it's just a, a great place to be. Um, yeah. It's a very balanced weather throughout the year. Um, it's a great community here. Um, we have the beach, and um, it's it's just beautiful. Um, great food, great people. <laughs> um, so, um, I've always been, uh, yeah, I, I, I moved out of, uh, Germany basically when I was like 18 or 19 and, um, yeah, I've just been traveling since then. Um, so n nothing really helped me back in, in Germany much, um, for a long time. Uh, I really enjoyed living in, in Berlin for a while, um, yeah. because there were like a lot of like, yeah, friends in the like, industry as well and so on. Um. But now most of the people from Berlin moved to Lisbon as well. So um, that's actually uh, a great, uh, yeah, a great way coming, coming back together here. And um, yeah, that's, that's just um, fascinating having like another place. And it's not too far from home. It's still easy to like uh, visit the family and stuff. And um, in that sense, I, I really enjoy living here. So I don't know if I'm going to stay forever, but um it's a it's a great place to be. Awesome. 
So thank you so much. And by the way, you know, um, Staking Rewards is having a summit in Portugal. So if you haven't seen Portugal yet and you need a reason to go staking, go see the Staking Rewards Summit. And then you can see all the great communities that are out there in Portugal um, and especially also in crypto. So um, thank you so much, Mirko Schmidl. I know um, we've, we've taken up a lot of your time. Awesome. Awesome. As always, I love our conversations. I think we share so much in common. Um, and, and yeah, just love what you're doing. And yeah, and thank you for your time. And again, it's a super exciting time to be alive. This is the time where builders really shine. And we're not just speculators and arbitrators, but we're trying to provide and help the navigation associated with um, democratizing DeFi, right? How can we work together to make that happen? And we're building the tools to do that. And thank you for doing that, Mirko. Thanks to you as well. Thanks for having me on the show. And thanks for all the great work that you do. And uh, looking forward to continue growing the industry together. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This was Stefan Roost and Mirko Schmidl. You can follow Mirko on Twitter at Berlin Crypto, that's B-E-R-L-I-N-C-R-Y-P-T-O, and Staking Rewards at S-T-A-K-I-N-G-R-E-W-A-R-D-S. You can also follow Stefan on Twitter at sroost 99 that's S-R-U-S-T-9-9, and you can find the Super Excited with Stefan Roost podcast on all major podcast platforms and on YouTube on the Stefan Roost channel. Thank you for listening. <laughs>